Do you ever want to watch a bad movie? Do you ever hate yourself so much that you want to put on a movie that makes you want to rip out your own eyeballs? Welcome back to the worst movies ever. Question mark? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Dossie James and I am terrified of horror films. And I'm Patty Walters and I enjoy a frightful film from time to time. So we compromised and watched terrible horror films and talk about them on this podcast just for you. So if you listened to our previous podcast, the first episode of this podcast officially, then you might remember that there are three things that I say in every episode's introduction, but not before we talk about what I think are some important trigger warnings to include in this episode specifically. So Those trigger warnings are that this film, The Wicker Man from 2006, heavily features cults and towards the end features Nicolas Cage's character being very violent towards women. But with that said, firstly, Halloween, stay the fuck inside. Secondly, November 3rd, go and fucking vote. And thirdly, we are going to spoil every moment of this movie. Today, we're going to be talking about The Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. This this one is hated. 2006. This is a hated, hateful film. In this episode, I reference a YouTube video. I didn't know what the YouTube video was called at the time, but it's a wisecrack, dumb or deep YouTube video on Nicolas Cage's acting, if anyone wanted to uh, check that out. And I'm glad you brought it up in the podcast too, because it it clarifies or at the very least contextualizes so many choices. Yeah, not just for this film, but for all of Nicolas Cage's repertoire. But we're not talking about the entirety of Nick Cage's repertoire. We're talking about The Wicker Man. So The Wicker Man. Mm -hmm. So this is the 2006 remake Mm -hmm. of the, let me pull this up. I think it was the 1973 Oh, really? Wicker Man. Yeah. So so there was- Didn't know there was an original. Yeah. The Wicker Man from 1973 has got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, from the critics and 82%. Uh, from the audience. Oh, shit. In stark contrast (laughs) to the 2006 remake starring Nicolas Cage. We're going to look that up on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Oh, God. It's not going to be in the 80s. It's not going to be in the 50s. The Wicker Man from 2006 has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 15% from the critics and 17% from the audience. Oh, wow. So no one's fucking with this movie at all. I wouldn't have rated it that low. It's not like it's bad, but it's not like unforgivable. Well, yeah, but none of the none of the badness of the film comes from the actual production. The CGI bees. They're not great. They're but, like, really the bad. Point. But we will get to the CGI bees. <laughs> Don't y'all fret. But what I what I, what I was saying is that this film leaves breadcrumbs exactly where they should be yeah and it was really interesting watching this with you because i've seen this movie over 10 times Mm. (laughs) um because i fucking love this movie and did growing up nick cage going full nick cage does things to your fiance let me just tell you that right now. Oh, gross. Let me just tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to know what he does but, to my fiance. But, but, what, but what I'll say is that um, it was it was fascinating watching the film for the first time through your eyes because this is 
at its core, like a mystery, yeah, a murder mystery or about a missing person. Yeah. Um, and it was so fascinating watching it for the first time again, because you're coming to the, the exact conclusions that the film wants you to. Yeah. It's directing you in all the right places. Yeah. The dialogue, the performances, but I even, questionable. No, no, no. I think they were really good. Sure. Because I couldn't tell at the beginning because most of the people he interacts with in this film, except for one other person, are all in this cult thing, this part part of this colony, except for the, the like sheriff guy slash other police officer that he speaks to at the beginning. But all of the oh, women- Yeah, Officer Pete. Yeah. All of the women have this same weird direct- delivery of speech yeah. that might come across as bad acting and that might be what it is. But I, I actually think it might have been a choice on the director's part to have all of these women be this direct, weird, yeah. like hold your eye contact way of speaking. But because it is everyone in the film, except for one person, it's probably easier to not pick up on that and to just think it is bad plus nick cage is your only other frame of reference for like normal so that's <laughs> yeah. not a good yeah with when, any other yeah. actor it might have come across better Nah, when nick cage is your frame of reference for normal yeah you're not going to pick up on anything else you're certainly not but i think we should just dive into this fucking thing so directed by neil labute uh starring and produced by nicholas cage I did not realize that until uh this viewing like viewing number 12 or 13 in total for me but here we go you ready yeah. All right. So film starts opening credits. They're in papyrus. How does that make you feel? My brain clocked it and just decided to ignore it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were going into this movie knowing it's like one of the worst or most hated horror films of all time. Why would you expect any better? Thing is, I don't think it deserves that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think this is a better film than so many other films. Um, we should carry on because all I've said is the opening credits are in papyrus. Yes. And we're uh, we're already <laughs> down that rabbit hole. So we're taken inside a diner in the middle of like somewhere in ambiguous any town USA. It transpires we're in California, but it's, you know, just uh, it could be anywhere. So inside the diner, a police officer, Officer Pete, pays for his burger while his colleague, Edward Malis, played by none other than Nicolas Cage, is perusing the self-help books and VHS tapes. Edward leaves the diner on his motorcycle and polices the quiet roads of the Americana town, issuing parking fines and speeding tickets when he notices a child's doll fall from the window of the car in front of him. He pulls the car over, chats briefly with the mother and her daughter, a little nightmare child, void of all emotion, <laughs> yeah. uh, wearing a red button-up jumper. Her light blonde hair is in two braids. The girl was creepy. Girl's not great. Edward returns the doll to the girl, who it transpires not only threw the doll intentionally, but throws the doll from the car a second time now. So Edward walks back into the middle of traffic when a colossal fucking truck collides head to head with their parked car. The car bursts into flames. The mother lies motionless over the steering wheel, but the little girl unharmed, unfazed. She's just totally emotionless, not giving a single solitary fuck. Edward removes his motorcycle helmet, using it to smash straight through the car's rear window. His arm outstretched, reaching into the fiery wreck, Edward screams, Give me your hand! Give me your hand! But this girl, nope, does not give a shit. <laughs> the car then explodes, and Edward is sent flying straight back from the blast. He's knocked unconscious. It's pretty harrowing. Then we get the wicker man in huge fucking text. It's on the whole screen. Sometime later, 
Edward's in his living room. He swallows a small pill and watches a spaghetti western on his small TV. He's startled by the surprise visit of a different colleague than before. She comes bearing get well cards from the police station. Edward invites her inside. They exchange some clunky, awkward small talk, at which point we learn that the two bodies from the car crash have not yet been identified, that the car was unregistered, and that no one might ever know who these people were. Yep. Edward flits through his pile of well wishes when he reads through a lengthy letter from an estranged old flame, Willow, who since their relationship has had a daughter, Rowan. Willow's daughter has been missing for two weeks and she asks for Edward's help to help find her. She includes a photo of her daughter wearing a red button up jumper, her light blonde hair in two braids. Sound familiar? It's the girl. It's the fucking girl. Just like that girl who died in the explosion. So since their relationship, Willow has moved to Summers Isle, Mm -hmm. a small island off the coast of Puget Sound, Washington. Yes. Edward types the island's name, not into a search engine, but into an organic food website called Health Food Metropolis. Is that what he does? Yeah, that's what he does. And not only that, before searching, he narrows his search specifically for bee products on the website. Interesting. So that locates an insignia of a crown on top of a bee, in the middle of which is some Tumblr-ass font, and it's right through the center, and it says Summer's Isle. No way. Fucking Bingo. Good thing he opened that organic food yeah, website. What the fuck? Um, yeah. Is that what they export? So like, hang on. Is the yeah. whole point of the film is that they make honey as an export? I don't know. Right? They make honey. And I don't know if it's like their export. And we'll get to it too. But I mean, they have that pilot who brings like goods and groceries over mm. into the island. So they assumedly pay this dude. So they make money somehow. They really created a problem for themselves with the pilot situation if he brings them food. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they were just like self-sustained. Then that's fine. Yeah, you're good. But if he brings them stuff. Yeah. What are they going to do now? What are they going to do now? Anyway. I don't know. Edward needs a ride to the island, but we'll get there too. So the phone rings. Edward answers. No one's there. End of scene. Edward's now walking through the police station and he finds Officer Pete. Uh, He hands him the letter from Willow. Pete tries to dissuade Edward from helping his ex-partner because she's since had a baby, I guess. That's a reason not to help someone you like. I get he is the more sane person in this film. He's the only person in this film that isn't Nick Cage or in a cult. So You have a good point. We also learn explicitly in no uncertain terms that there is no phone service on Summer's Isle. So Edward hops on a... That comes up one other time. (laughs) It comes up like one or two other times ever, but it's basically that like horror movie uh, device so that you're he's you know stranded. he's stranded there he can't call Pete for help yeah. he can't call any backup let anybody know how how wrong shit's gonna go mm-hmm, for him mm-hmm. so Edward hops on a big old boat and he's heading to Summer's Isle he slaps on a splash of aftershave mm. and he rereads Willow's letter he looks up and sees another girl red button up jumper Blonde hair and braids. Yep. Here we fucking go. So we hear the boat sound a long burst of the horn, except it's not the boat. It's the fucking truck from before, and it smushes the shit out of this <laughs> little girl such on the boat. Abrupt flashback. Abrupts the word exactly. So she is smushed. Edward winces. He takes a harsh swig of his cup of coffee. He looks again, and of course the girl's. He also looks like so much like the picture that why did he not just go and say like hi? Just in case. Can you imagine if it was Rowan end a movie? Yes. Yeah, found her. She was on a boat home. 
Well, Peace as far out. as I'm concerned, he already found her. She died in a car. That is the problem. I mean, I know it's a device so that you're like, oh, this everybody from this colony on this island, they're up to something or they're all the same. Yeah, something. but you didn't piece it together that that girl was from there. Nope. <laughs> I did in the- After no. 12 watches. What I thought that was is I never knew at the end of the film that she and her mother Were and female cop are there at the end. Yeah. What I thought was that they were doing what Willow did. They go to California. Oh, right, right, uh, right. Find some man. Yeah. Uh, to like have a baby with. Yeah. Um, Although she's bringing her kid. So yeah. I don't know. She's well, had her baby. Like, well, yeah, but that's not what happened anyway. So they went there, I'm guessing to destabilize his like job or like willingness to like not go and do this thing. Yeah. This random crazy thing. Right. The only sense I can make out of it is that if he just got that letter asking him to go to this old flame in the middle of his life going really well, then he wouldn't, he might not have gone. But if he's like, fucking depressed because he watched these two get murdered which i don't know how they orchestrated and got out of yeah then he might go and do it i don't know that's the only thing i can i've been thinking in the past 10 minutes so edward calls pete he leaves a voicemail and then he leaves the boat he walks down a dock towards the pilot of a small plane edward greets the man opting for a fucking ahoy there homie's not impressed he also (laughs) He's also making a delivery to Summer's Isle right fucking now. So Edward asks for a ride. Homie says no. Edward offers him $100. Homie says yep. (laughs) And that's how that goes. Yep. Edward hikes from the shore, through the woods, and into the heart of Summer's Isle. He's welcomed coldly by one of the local women. This is Sister Oak. So Sister Oak is joined by another two women on the island. The first woman quickly deduces that he's arrived thanks to the pilot. Not hard to figure out. You're like on a landlocked island. She mentions that he'll need a good talking to, at which point we see two men carrying a large burlap sack containing a person-sized something thrashing around and dripping with blood. Mm -hmm. Edward, most astute officer of the law... Asks, what's in the bag? And I quote, a shark or something? We never find out what was in that. We never find out what was in that. The locals laugh because they should. It's a fucking dumb thing to say. Edward reveals the photo of Rowan, asking if anyone's seen her. They claim to not recognize this child. Clearly recognizing this child. Yeah. Uh, Definitely acting sus as fuck at this point. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This film might actually be genius, and has gone over the heads of, of everyone. Here because, no, listen, at the end of the film, we find out that these people were trying to convince him that they were going to burn this child. Like, they were trying to lead him to that conclusion. Yes. Right? So, halfway through the film, I was like, they're all terrible at lying. Like, if you're going to lie, just do it better. But they're actually supposed to be terrible at lying. They're supposed to make him suspect that they do know this girl and that they're lying about it. So actually all of these scenes play out correctly. No, you're not wrong. So these actors were given the job to not only lie and say that you don't know where the girl is, but to make it look like you're doing it badly. Sure. So they did a great job. They did a great job. It doesn't make for a particularly enjoyable movie. No, it's not a great film, but I don't think it's a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes film. I've seen worse films that have got higher. Sure. That's fair enough. So Edward informs... 
uh, the men holding the bag that their bag is dripping, at which point the women invite him to take a peek. He leans in slowly, suspensefully, when the bag shakes, and the women are in hysterics. Best day ever for them. It's going to be hard to top this one. So Edward walks away, the main woman now adding, it's not her daughter, though. Edward frowns and walks away to a nearby inn. See, she's doing a great job of convincing him that Something's up. Convincing him that it's not her daughter. They just want him to suspect that they are hiding this girl. Yeah. So they're just trying to make him suspicious of them no matter yeah. what they say. Yeah. Uh, so he's welcomed only marginally more warmly by Sister Beach, the woman behind the bar. He asks if she can swing a meal in a room, which leads to some tension because that's city talk. In walks Sister Willow Woodward, translator of City Talk and the only halfway normal person on Summer's Isle. Edward and Willow share a nice little look into each other's eyes from across the pub. She goes upstairs and he drinks mead, a delicious drink made from honey, herbs, and whatnot. Yep. Edward gulps down the mead and now he's loud and wants everyone to know that he's here on official police business and he wants to speak to every one of you at some point. That is such a terrible part of the film, actually. Sister Beach then is all like, you're in Washington, motherfucker. Go back to California. Then a bumblebee lands on the bar. Edward wastes no time in squashing that little buzzy boy. And the room is bummed. He explains that he's allergic to bee stings and he walks upstairs. Halfway up the staircase, he and Willow meet again. Uh, she hands him a note, says nothing, continues down the stairs. Note says she's being watched. Place beyond the point. Meet there in an hour. Mm. He meets her there. Maybe the note goes into more detail. Uh, but all we hear is there's a place beyond the point. And he finds one specific tree. <laughs> yeah. And that's where she is. So they meet there and Edward, total ladies man, reunited with his long lost love, decides to go with something to the effect of, you could have given me back my ring when you left. And she's still wearing it around her neck. And She's still wearing it around her neck on a necklace. So I bet you regret saying that little snarky comment right now. <laughs> um, Edward asks why she left all those years ago. Willow explains also deflecting and dancing around any questions pertaining to Rowan's father. Edward promises to find her and Willow leaves. But yeah, they have nothing chemistry. They do have like no chemistry. There's just like no emotional spectrum to either of these people. No, she's always sad. He's always just angry. Yeah. And that's the thing is when he gets angrier, his only emotion, he's just louder. He's not more emotional. The thing about Nick Cage is that I used to not be able to stand him in the same way that the rest of the world can't really stand him. But I saw either a review or a tweet or something that has completely changed my opinion of him. Ooh, bring and it I on. wish I could change I wish I could remember it in more detail, but it was basically that he's not he's not even attempting to do the same kind of acting that we're used to, which is trying to be as naturalistic as possible. He's not trying to do that. He's trying to be not even just a character actor, but like an old Hollywood style kind of acting. Yeah, like expressionistic. Yeah, where it's more melodramatic. And I did and I have viewed him through that lens ever since. And it's so much more bearable. And it's like you're not just infuriatingly bad at acting. You're just making this choice. Are you saying something to the effect of, you know, naturalistic acting mm. 50 or more years ago now looks dated yeah. uh, compared to like modern practice? Are you saying that he's doing this so that 50 years from 2006, it's going to be viewed as 
a more timeless performance. No, or it's I don't just, know why he's doing it. Or it's just Nick Cage doing Nick Cage. It's um, the person used the example of him being perfectly cast in one film and it was Into the Spider-Verse. So he's cast as a film noir character. Sure. Who speaks in a very direct, unrealistic way. Yeah. And it's perfect. And you didn't even notice he was in the film. True. And it's and it's great and it works. Yeah. yeah. And that's apparently what they claimed he's been doing in all of his films. Sure. Is just going for a different style of acting. So Nick Cage knows his lane. And yeah. he's going to be Nick Cage in every film because why wouldn't he that's really interesting well the way in which i view this this film is just getting like more and more dimensional uh with the the more people i show it to and the more times i watch it so that's dope interesting so so later that night edward's up in his room close-up shot on his epi pen for his bee sting allergy gonna Mm. be important Mm. downstairs in the bar sister beach swats away some men that are sat at a table and she helps two elderly blind twins find a seat at the table The three are joined by a few more ladies, the circle exchange ominous pleasantries, and the twins, in perfect unison, ask if Sister Summer's Isle will be joining them. Nah, she busy. Sister Beach implies that the day of tomorrow's gonna be a big one, cause it's now the time of death and rebirth. And the twins both add, yes, of the wicker man's return, again in creepy unison. Mm. Edward's eavesdropping is interrupted when another woman from the inn walks past. She's eating an apple. Maybe metaphorically. Maybe just cuz. Yeah. He asks, <laughs> he asks if she or someone else might have unpacked his bags. She deflects with the same weird vibe that everybody else seems to share and she leaves. Yep. New scene. Very direct. Edward's asleep. He's having a blurry black and white nightmare flashback to the boat. We get a fresh remixed version of the girl gets hit by a truck on a boat hallucination. Then a brand new girl from actual crash suddenly vanishes from backseat sequence. I'm amazed I didn't trip over that one time, by the way. Thank you. Edward wakes up, takes meds, gets up. I think it's like midnight or 1 a.m. at this point. He looks out the window and he sees a girl, possibly Rowan, running and crying. So this is this is another thing that bugs me. So he like wakes up of his own volition and or nightmare. Mm -hmm. Like he wakes up, Mm -hmm. he wakes himself up. Yes. He looks out the window, Mm -hmm. cue at the perfect time. This girl that looks just like Rowan running and crying past his window is like too convenient. Is she just doing this shit like all night until he wakes up? (laughs) I just thought it was another dream. It could be. Like the girl. So Edward, flashlight now in hand, takes off down the stairs and out the door and search for the little girl. He arrives at a barn and he goes in the barn for some reason. Edward climbs the stairs, looks around. Nothing more interesting than potatoes and pigeons are inside. Yep. Suddenly the floor caves in, both feet now dangling through the ceiling below. <laughs> it's such an unnecessary It's so unnecessary. Addition. So he grips onto a swinging wooden door and he's looking around like all comically and like slapstick. It's ridiculous. Uh, he pulls himself back up to safety. He's sweaty and exhausted. End of this scene. I think like I have a real problem with this scene because okay. it's just like a jump scare because I think they just feel like something dramatic has to happen at this point. Right. That's it. Maybe. It doesn't further the plot. It doesn't ever. I thought it did because I mistakenly thought that he picked up the girl's jumper. Sure. But he didn't apparently you said so. I think the only point of this 
having watched it as many times as I have and like analytically for the first time yesterday yeah. is that, you know, when I mentioned that there's nothing more interesting than like potatoes and pigeons, yeah. I think all those things um, appear in the photos of the girls at the Harvest Festival and are also part of the livestock in the Wicker Man sacrifice at the end. Mm. But that could also just be because they like live on a farm colony <laughs> and that shit's everywhere. Sure. So Edward avoids falling. It's the next day. We get this like wide establishing shot of Summer's Isle at sunrise, complete with terrible CGI waves, but by no means the worst CGI that we're going to see in this movie. Yep. I didn't notice the waves. You they told look me bad. about them, but I it didn't It looks like them. a Windows Vista screensaver. Terrible. Edward's eating breakfast at the end. He asks Apple Lady why there's only store-bought honey on the island, an observation that almost makes up for the shark comment the previous day. Yeah. She's dismissive as ever, explains that their crop was cursed last year, and she leaves. Edward now notices a wall, upon which dozens of near-identical photographs, and each one a different little girl, each wearing a white dress and standing in the center of rings of flowers. Edward compares Rowan's photo uh, to each photograph of the child, none appearing to match, until we see a single blank photo frame, its glass smashed, hanging upon the wall. He asks Sister Beach about the photos. They're taken at the Harvest Festival each autumn. Not from the Festival of Fertility, though. That shit's too sacred. We don't talk about that one. Yeah, and they never do again. Now, Edward asks about the empty frame. Uh, It was last year's photo, but it got ruined last night. Broke. Broke. That's what gets said. Um, Edward walks out onto the sun-drenched island and interrupts Apple Lady, now splitting firewood with an axe. He asks if she recognizes Rowan from the photo. Apple Lady giggles, sufficing as a no. Edward continues to ask questions. Homegirl's not even halfway helpful. That is, until her tone does a total 180 and she asks, when you leave, will you take me with you? Which never becomes relevant. Never becomes relevant. Not after this moment. So they didn't set her up as someone he wanted to leave and then they never mention it again. She's like one of the villains. So like, yeah. It's weird. So Edward half politely half fighting fire with fire, barely acknowledges this, forces a smile and walks away. Edward walks through the woods when five women walk past. All five are carrying goods in a wicker basket and all five are pregnant. Yes, one of them comically stuffed. One of the, one of the, one of the pregnant bellies, that actress got saddled with like a literal just cushion shoved yeah, up like her a dress. Pillows in there. Yeah, yeah it's the, just other, like, the rest were fine, but I was like, is this meant to be like, is she meant to not look really pregnant? Nah, in the shit's film? just is it like sloshing be? around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Edward arrives at the island school and he enters the classroom. The female teacher, Sister Rose. Sexy teacher. Sexy teacher asks the 20 or so female students what man represents in his purest form. Actually, the teacher asks Daisy, but every hand's up in the air because every little girl knows the answer to this one. Two girls, twin sisters, uh, they answer the question in unison. Phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Now my thing, so, okay. So the two girls say this at the same time. 
They say yeah. it twice. Right. Do you think they were just supposed to say it once, like like individually, <laughs> thus making it two times? I don't know. Maybe. Edward laughs. Teacher's pissed. He explains he's a police officer, a cool police officer. He's Officer Ed. Check out his badge. Yeah, he didn't read the room, did he? Not even close. And he's looking for a missing girl who people are pretending doesn't exist. He hands Rowan's picture to a girl sat at the front of the class, and then the photograph gets passed from student to student. Edward erases 70% of Sister Rose's blackboard so he can write Rowan Woodward in huge fucking letters. Without even asking. Not even asking. He underlines that shit and he asks if anyone recognizes the name or the face. He spots an empty desk. He asks who the desk belongs to. Sister Rose, avoiding eye contact, says nothing at all. Officer Ed opens the desk to find... A live crow. Yeah, when do, why did, why? Yeah, exactly. Having watched the film now, that doesn't matter. <laughs> the only sort of parallel is a live crow comes out of the desk, and then later in the film, Sister Rose is wearing a crow mask. Yeah, I know, and crow wings. <laughs> later yeah, on. so now Edward's pissed, and he's throwing his authority all around the room. He locates the attendance records, leafs through its pages, and discovers the name Rowan Woodward crossed out in ink. Mm -hmm. He demands answers from the classroom of little liars, as he puts it. Yeah. Sister Rose demands to speak to Edward outside. So we finally get something resembling an informative reply from Sister Rose here. Rowan isn't missing. She died in an accident. More specifically, she burnt to death. No, she will burn to death. She will burn to death. It's That's super weird. Says. I don't even write this down, but it's so like... she'll burn to death. And then he goes, what was that? And she goes, you heard me. She burnt to death. Yeah, because she's meant to be... A bad liar. Leading him on, yeah. Well, there you go. So it works out. So Rowan burnt to death and her body is buried in a churchyard, according to Sister Rose, and she then returns to her classroom. Yeah. Edward continues to walk through the woods. He checks his phone like a dumbass. There's still no signal. Uh, He spots more locals, this time a dozen young boys collecting sticks and a woman overseeing their labor. He asks for directions to the church. The woman turns around and holy shit, it's Sister Rose or her twin. Yeah. Who never comes back. They never, ever. She's not even at the sacrifice at the end of the movie. No, that's really weird. And the twin thing never gets explained. No, it doesn't. And you know what bugs me more, even (laughs) though it probably shouldn't? What? Rose's twin is named Sister Thorn. (laughs) Rose and Thorn. But they are twins. So is she like the bad one? Uh, No, she's just... Not the main part of the flower, I guess, you know? I guess, I don't know. But Sister Thorne never comes back. No, never. Not once. I didn't even recognize her. That's the problem. (laughs) It's the next scene and I didn't recognize this woman. So Edward walks down the hill and he arrives at the church. He finds a fresh mound of dirt in the church's graveyard. Willow appears very suddenly, insistent that this isn't Rowan's grave. Mm-hmm. They walk side by side into the old ruins. Well, okay, here's the problem. So many of the bad things about this film are actually explained by its own plot. Like, sure. how did she know he was there? Like, how did she just turn up? Yeah. Like, all of these things. It's because she's meant, she's to. meant to. So it's actually fine. So you're Maybe saying, it doesn't yeah. deserve as much of the hate that it's gotten because people haven't bothered to... Because, it, because in a way it is bad, but like, some of it's redeemable. So you're saying the film has an artistic license to suck (laughs) it's like so you're saying it gets a pass 
at all these things that can't be explained. They just seem too coincidental in the moment because they're not coincidental at all. Yeah, because it's all actually clever and like meant to have happened. <laughs> so they have Edward and Willow walk side by side into the ruins of the old church. There's an old crypt that's now flooded, but Edward notices the brand new lock on its entrance. The Will- crypt never becomes relevant either. The crypt does become relevant. No, that's where doesn't. he almost drowns. Yeah, but they already led him to believe that they'd killed this girl. Right. So why did they need to also convince him that they drowned her? I don't know. There or something. I don't know. Okay. Willow's still certain that their daughter is alive. Hold the fuck up. Their daughter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all saw it coming. You are the father. Okay, so now we're in Rowan's bedroom, uh, which Willow explains is mostly empty because her things have been stolen by whoever's behind Rowan's disappearance. Yes. Edward also finds some disturbing drawings and we learn that the local doctor is called Dr. Moss and that pisses me off and I don't really know why. Okay, the drawings, um, well, yeah, it pisses you off because you don't like the flower names, like the the plant names. But the drawings also don't have any relevance because it's like, are you, okay, so are you then supposed to believe that she knew she was in trouble? I guess that's what they were going for. But the thing he asks is whether she was ever like depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not the same thing as knowing that someone is trying to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, no, sure. No, it, it, it definitely points more towards her being like an angsty uh, preteen mad at her well, that's mom. That's what he asks. Yeah, big time. Instead of, did she know that she was in trouble or like that sort of thing? That's what I guess they were trying to convey is that this child knew that she was in danger. Right. Because it says, help me. So we're still in Rowan's bedroom. Then Edward sees the plane from his first arrival landing back on the island. And he runs in its direction to use its radio to contact the mainland. He makes it to the plane, but the pilot's nowhere to be found. Edward calls out, nothing. So he waits around for a while. Short time lapse of Edward waiting around. When he sees her under the dock, Rowan's body is just floating beneath his feet underwater. So Edward dives in, swims up to her, closer, closer, closer. He wakes up. He fell asleep on the dock during the time lapse. She wasn't there at all. He looks down. He's holding his dead daughter just right there in his lap. No, he isn't. He wakes up again and he screams, God damn it. Because that's kind of how we're all feeling. It's like they did for the double psych. Yeah. The double fake It was not a good move. It was not a good move. Um, So he gets up now. He uh, strips down a little and he dives in. It was comical. That's the problem. It was comical. It just made you laugh. Yeah. It's like the the one psych on its own, you can uh, forgive. Uh, Two psychs on its own, that's unforgivable. So uh, he gets up now. Uh, He strips down a little and he dives into the water, but for realsies now. Uh, He swims 100 yards out towards the plane and he climbs into the cockpit, uh, but the radio has been destroyed, just completely ripped out. Yeah. Uh, So Edward now gets dressed again. He wanders off. He knocks on the door of Dr. T.H. Moss. So Dr. Moss, in her words, is a physician first and a photographer second because she's the one taking all the Harvest Festival photos. I would like to think that no one is a photographer first and a physician second. <laughs> <laughs> just a uh, yes, uh, physician. That's my hobby. On the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just, that's for me. Yeah. Uh, so Edward asks uh, if she has a copy of the missing photograph from last year's festival that's missing from the wall of photos. Uh, and she's surprisingly compliant. Uh, unlike everybody else. And she says she's still got the negative and she'll make a copy for him. Uh, Edward leaves only to go and hide in her bushes like a creep. 
Yeah. Good thing he did too, because two women in beekeeping suits arrive at her door and declare that it's time, at which point they all leave together. So Edward walks back towards the door. He picks the lock. He enters alone. Uh, He opens a large book titled Rituals of the Ancients and begins to read about sacrificing, possibly even burning, a younger woman as a gesture to ensure a healthy harvest. Clearly he's like meant to see or whatever, but he then forgets about that instantly. Even the thing he's supposed, they're spoon feeding him this story and he keeps forgetting everything they've told him. They spell it right the fuck out. So she says like, she makes that deliberate slip up of like, she'll be burned. And then he forgets that. He completely forgets that. And then he sees this thing about the burning in the book. And then he forgets that too. (laughs) And just goes to like look in the crypt thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he's so stupid. Like, Sister Rose. No is wonder like, they like, yeah, literally decided to be so poor at lying <laughs> yeah. because he never would have fucking figured it out. So Sister Rose is like, she burnt to death, and this uh, bit of text he's reading is like, we're gonna burn her alive. He goes, yeah. I bet she drowned. Yes. <laughs> idiot no wonder they think men are useless so um edward explores the doctor's office further the first new room containing human fetuses and jars of formaldehyde the second room containing the aforementioned negatives including the missing harvest festival photo of rowan woodward dated september 2005 so edward heads straight to willow's place now demanding answers about why she never mentioned that their daughter was part of these ceremonies uh willow cries she explains she's confused and frightened by this place too you know willow uh, she- is the worst part of this whole film i fucking hate her she's not even helping do what they're supposed to be doing which is leading him to this place belief right. that her daughter is like going to be burned because right. she could just tell him yeah that. like she could <laughs> just say i think our daughter's going to be burned will you help like, yeah whatever. that'd get that'd get a pretty urgent reaction yes, out of me exactly <laughs> instead of him just like having to bumble around forgetting every piece of information they give him <laughs> Ugh idiot willow regrets leaving edward and returning to the island they smooch uh edward's gonna track down sister summer's isle and get some fucking answers for a change yeah uh so edward's pushing his bike through the woods when we walk past four locals two men doing manual labor two women supervising in beekeeper suits yeah i mean but they're not really beekeeper suits are they they're just like hoodies with like tennis rackets threaded through them or something (laughs) edward begins to help the man stacking heavy logs he immediately fucks the whole task up resulting in a log avalanche they're just crashing down on top of both these guys edward asks dude if he's all right no reply he can't even look edward in the eye Oh no! Apparently, Edward's still surprised by this kind of shit. Yeah, uh, and he walks away with his bike. Uh, so Edward's on a lovely little bike ride until he arrives at an enormous honeybee colony. But he's like crazy allergic to bee stings, so Edward just turns straight around. He doesn't go anywhere near the fuckers. Nope. Not what happens yeah, at all. <laughs> Edward strolls right on up to a great big beehive and he accidentally knocks it with his bike. Then what happens? A hundred <laughs> pissed off bees are chasing down yeah. this dumbass. I can't make any excuse for this scene. And where does he run? Into In the direction <laughs> of a thousand bees, of course. A uh, homie trips over a beehive of all things. Yep. He clambers back up. Grasping at his throat, 
gasping for air, trips again, rolls all the way down to the bottom of a hill this time. Here's the thing. None of these people did this to him. (laughs) This this was not part of their plan. (laughs) They're looking at this happen and they're going, oh, fuck. We need to save him (laughs) so that he can be killed in the right way. This fucking idiot's got himself killed. If this dude dies of like an allergic reaction to a bee sting. Then 12-year plan is all to shit. (laughs) He's a fucking idiot, so they have to go and rescue him. So do you think uh, the people watching from a distance are reacting like they're laughing or they're horrified? Well, horrified. If you think that killing this man in in the wicker like thing is the only way to save to like boost your honey sales or whatever they're trying to do. (laughs) Like then you're going to be like, Oh shit. He's ruining our plan that we put in place 12 years ago. However old the kid is. Yeah, sure. They're not happy that he did this. They didn't do this to him. This isn't a scary moment. This is just him like being a fucking idiot, getting himself killed by bees. And then Dr. Moss having to come along and save him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, not only is Dr. Moss coming along, who's that just around the corner? It's his old pal, Anna. Anaphylaxis. Uh, Edward does, however, have his EpiPen in his jacket. But before he has a chance to administer the EpiPen, he sees her. Not Anna, but Rowan. And she's surrounded by bees. Edward faints. And has another flashback to the opening car crash scene. Only now, bees are there. Bees are there. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's an idiot. Uh, Edward wakes up. And he's in the home of Sister Summer's Isle. Also, Dr. Moss is there and her butler, Ivy. Yeah, you hate Ivy. Um. (laughs) I hate Ivy. And obviously, there's a whole power dynamic to women and men on this side. So, I mean, Sister Willow, Dr. Moss, Ivy is just Ivy and that's fine. He's not brother Ivy. Mm -hmm. But- I don't know if he's like a butler in this place. I think he's or, a butler. Or maybe he's like Dr. Moss's intern. He's a butler. He's wearing a butler outfit. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah, but like, he's why- the only person wearing that sort of clothing in the whole thing. So Dr. Moss didn't use Edward's EpiPen. She treated him the good old fashioned way and she doesn't elaborate. So Yeah, we never fine. find out how she saved him. No. But- Dr. Moss wasn't expecting to have to do that. No, this was never part of the plan. (laughs) This is not part of the plan. By bees and like die. I don't understand why his bee allergy is ever relevant, ever. I don't think it is. Ever relevant because that's not how they kill him. No. Why do they even put him in the helmet of bees? anyway because again that's not how they kill him no it makes no sense (laughs) it makes sense because they wrote the line no not the bees not the bees ah they're in my eyes my eyes ah and they probably had to have uh, to find some sort of narrative device they had that first yeah that's where yeah beyond anything else and they had to create the film around it that's where it starts yeah there's a guy who has some bees and he doesn't want them in his eyes yeah. What kind of person is that? <laughs> how do how do we make no how do we <laughs> how do we make a story around that? And they go, he's a cop. He's a cop <laughs> who is looking for a missing girl. Yeah. And and is, does the does his bee allergy become relevant at any point? No. No. <laughs> no. It's actually nothing to do with the rest of the film. Right. So um Edward gets up and he's off to see Sister Summer's Isle and he loads his gun. I don't know why. Uh, so we meet Sister Summer's Isle and we get a thorough history of the of her ancestors and how the colony began. 
And but it's not it's even pretty that fucking old. dope. Yeah, it's not that old. Her grandmother's grandma. Yeah, so I mean she I I I, I wrote it down verbatim. Uh, and it says, this is the, these are her words. My Celtic ancestors all the way back rebelled against the suppression of the feminine. So in the late 17th century, they fled to the new world. Mm. Unfortunately, they settled near Salem. <laughs> so when they saw that the persecution continued even there, well, that started a long and painful migration westward until the 1850s. My great-great-grandmother led a group of people here and vowed never to enter into that other world again. She also goes on to say at separate points, we love our men. We're just not subservient to them. Yeah. Men are a very important part of our little colony. Breeding, you know. It's one not lo- that one- old. It's yeah. like a, it's like a, hun- wait, when was this film made? 2006. So it's like just over a hundred years that they've been doing this. Yeah. They've on the had island. This, yes. Like colony on this island. Yeah. It's not like they've been doing this since the 1700s or anything. No. She also says, uh, we procreate because that's the desire of the goddess to assure ourselves of worthy offspring. Right. That was the strongest, it- finest, most sturdy of our kind. Right. That was why it bothered me because they've been doing this only for like three generations <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah so it's like when did the goddess become a thing <laughs> like who in the like late victorian era was just like i'm gonna start believing in a goddess <laughs> and then like the, she mentioned the celtic thing like ages ago but they didn't like have their island until the victorian era <laughs> no the celtic thing is just when people went to america yeah and that's it so she's it's just like there were a bunch of victorians that get to this island and then decide we're going to worship a goddess yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. with bees for some reason. Bees, yeah. Um, it just makes no sense. One, I mean, it's at this point that if you haven't already, you start to see the 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 parallels between Sister Summer's Isle being the queen bee of the yeah. colony. So when the two return from their rather contentious wander together... Edward gets the permission of Sister Summer's Isle to search the fresh plot in the church cemetery for Rowan's body. Ivy pulls up with Edward's bike and Officer Ed takes off at this point. So later that night, Edward digs until he reaches a small wooden coffin. He pries it open to reveal not the body of Rowan Woodward, but a small doll, its head so badly burnt that a face can no longer be seen. He examines the doll until he hears a sound behind him. Could it be his daughter? He goes looking. First around the ruins of the old church, next deep within its flooded crypt. In the water, he discovers a red jumper, the initials RW stitched into the collar. It's my sister's jumper, Rachel Walters. (laughs) Your sister's jumper? Yeah. (laughs) Edward lifts the, like, manhole entrance to the crypt's deepest, underwateriest depths, and he dives in. So Edward swims deeper when we see a beekeeper reseal the manhole thing above him, trapping Edward inside. Yeah, this makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Let loose. It makes sense in that he believes that they're trying to get him to not find the missing girl yeah there might be a whole other story uh of a rogue islander (laughs) who's trying to just kill him yeah i love that she's got a rival honey business um all right so uh edward's it's probably willow it's oh so okay so you think it's willow wearing the like tennis racket i don't know if you're supposed to guess that and then she waits there because that's who rescues him in the morning yeah it's possible maybe 
It's I possible. I forgot it was a m- the morning. I thought it was like a few minutes later, but yeah. Well, so Edward swims up to the top of like the shallow surface. There's no escape. He's drifting in and out of sleep, clinging onto the manhole thing above him yeah, just to survive. Yeah, but for no second do you believe that he's in actual danger. No, but it's at this point that he has more black and white flangery nightmares. So this time his daughter is the girl in the back of the car when it explodes. The second nightmare, he's in his living room with female cop and she turns into like 400 bees. Oh, see, see, that's like another clue. See, and I never understood why yeah. we saw that because I was like, this is like a weird. So as, as, as good as, as the characters are giving him breadcrumbs. The movie's not so good at giving you breadcrumbs. (laughs) (laughs) The director, however, Neil somebody. Yeah. He's 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 not not really dealt with the different levels very well. He didn't show up for work. Some of them are more obvious than others. All right. So it's morning now. We know this because the bad CGI waves are back. It's like sunrise now. How Uh, did I not notice these? um, Because they're, I don't know, they're on screen for like two seconds. It's not very important. Um, Willow calls out Edward's name. It's at this point that we've been coasting at like 20% Nick Cage throughout the entirety of this movie. But we are about to go full fucking cage. (laughs) Full fucking cage. So Edward pulls himself out of the crypt and he hands Willow the red jumper. They go outside. He picks up the doll. He asks if it's Rowan's. Willow pauses and it's all aboard the Nick Cage Express, everybody. Chew fucking chew, because here we go. I didn't even write anything because I knew I'd have a lot to say about how to get burned. How to get burned. Okay. Edward picks up the doll. Yeah. He just thrusts this doll in Willow's face and yeah. he is screaming, How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! Yeah. How to get burned! How to get burned! And Nick Cage saw those lines in print and was like, Fuck yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going there. We're saying this shit four times over and over and over, and it's just getting crazier each time. Yeah. But you talked about your your theory about his like acting direction, and I fuck with it. I like that. I guess so. Like it didn't. It wasn't effective. Like it didn't. <laughs> like <laughs> no. It didn't make me think it was a good performance. Well, he's screaming, "Hagerburn!" And she just goes, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so excellent. But she is so she is like the worst part of their plan. I don't think for a moment he should have suspected her at all. But she is so suspicious. <laughs> she's she's sus. the most suspicious one. Yeah. And I don't think she should have been part of that. She should have been really convincing. Right. Like she should have been like, oh my god, my daughter's gonna get killed by this cult. Yeah. He shouldn't have had to be like, is this your daughter's doll, you fucking weirdo? Yeah. Like <laughs> right. Like the audience also just shouldn't suspect her because no. of how shady she's being. But so that when it like comes out that like, oh, big surprise, she's part of it. Yeah. Then it's an actual shock. But she just she was so bad. So after whatever all of that was, Edward hurries off to find his daughter and to stop the now imminent sacrifice. Uh, he goes alone. He's holding the doll, but otherwise he goes alone. Uh, so he breaks into Sister Summer's Isle's home calling out her name. He opens a bedroom door to reveal a man in bed, long gray hair, shirtless, just covered in welts. His left eye is bee swollen stings, right? shut and it's pretty graphic. It's not nice to look at. And I guess it's bee stings. They never elaborate. They never elaborate and they never know. And the next thing he sees also, we never find out 
what the fuck that is. So. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, we don't know what the fuck it is. He stares blankly at this guy and Edward just like bails immediately and he starts opening more doors and inside the next one is a naked woman and she's just sitting she's in a chair. Naked. She's not naked. She's wearing bees. <laughs> <laughs> she's wearing bees and yep. they're like down at her toes, upper legs, up her chest up to her chin and then like kind of like framing her face framing her face which is just smiling Mm -hmm. like perfectly still just like making eye contact with edward and she's just smiling yeah why not important i guess they never never mention it we're just like fulfilling the horror quota we're just like ticking some boxes and serving you some gross shit yeah I guess that's why. So Edward drops the doll in horror and he backs up into a closed door and then he runs off. Behind the closed door is Sister Summer's Isle in a bed, lying in it like in a sort of horizontal crucifix kind of pose. Yeah, I didn't like that. So someone informs Sister Summer's Isle from within the room, the same room as her, that he's left. Mm -hmm. And she goes, good. But yeah. She probably could deduce that too. Like, this is where I start to really not enjoy Sister Summer, Summer whatever her name is. Summer's Isle. Summer's Isle. Yeah. That fa- actress's performance starts to go really downhill. It was really strong to begin with. Yeah. When she's talking to him in the garden. The monologue's really killer. The monologue's but fun. from here on out, it just gets weird. Uh, my favorite point, it's like a little bit of trivia too, is that um, in the in the first Wicker Man from the, from the early 70s, mm-hmm. it's Summer Isle not Summer's Isle. Um, And I think what I read is that they changed it so it's easier for Americans to pronounce. But if you go back to that scene with uh, Sister Rose, the the school teacher, Mm -hmm. she says Summer Isle. Interesting. And they just kept it in. They didn't like ADR it for sure. And maybe she was like a a big fan of the original original that she's part of bastardizing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Edward runs through the forest, approached from behind by... Sister Rose, we were talking about her already. That's so fantastic. So yeah. um, it's a school teacher, Sister Rose, on a bicycle wearing a crow mask. Yeah. Edward begs her not to participate These in this festival ritual. costumes. Yeah, really ruined the whole tone of the film for me. They suck. Like the the production level of the film so far has been really good. Yeah, and then these fucking costumes just look like shitty teenagers going to like Coachella or something. Yeah, they made that shit the night before for sure. Yeah, it looks. So bad. It looks so bad. Not to mention the bear costume, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Oh, we go there. So Edward begs Sister Rose not to participate in the ritual. A homegirl's sight. She's been waiting for this shit all year. Edward commandeers her bike at gunpoint and he's off. And he's going, step away from the bike. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines in this movie, for sure. Uh, the blind twins, the elderly blind twins, they're now back and they simultaneously say, it is he, mm-hmm. which, okay, let's go there because earlier in the film there, the, the two blind twins are being escorted to a table. Yes. They're now like on an unchaperoned walk on their own, not with their hands in front of them. And they see, they see him because they mean, go, I'm it is he. They assume it is him. No one else is running around that island with that sort of energy, are they? Right, I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, either way, uh, Edward's back at the inn now. Inside, only men. Ten or so of them. Edward pleads for their help. Little acknowledgement, no reply. The most you get is like one dude just goes, uh. Yeah, that's weird. He makes the same noise as that baby. Covered who's like peanut cu- butter. <laughs> that, yeah. So Edward enters a random house. Inside, a mother and her masked daughter. 
the Nick Cage Express is picking up speed again, everybody. Uh, he searches the home for his daughter, uh, opening a wardrobe. I forgot about these scenes. A young girl collapses to the floor. Yes. And then they all start laughing. Yeah, she just starts laughing. And the I whole don't understand family laughs. Why was she in there? <laughs> no, no Did idea. Did she know he was coming? It makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. And we don't know why she's in the wardrobe. And we don't know why everybody finds this so funny. Yeah. But we do. And that's what happens. Edward leaves as the Nick Cage Express takes a little detour through a montage. We're kicking down doors. We're taking off masks. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Yep. It's a short montage. It's like 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah. He only goes to two houses. The train pulls up to the dock. The train being the Nick Cage Express, everybody. Okay. Uh, lo and behold, the airplanes capsize and the pilot's dead. His mouth is sewn shut and his, his eyes, eyes and his hands are gone. His eyes are sewn shut as well. They've got yeah. cross stitch on them and then like his hands have got stuff sticking out. Uh, it's really gross. Yeah, it's super He looks weird. like one of the Wicker Men. That's what they've oh, done to him. Oh, yeah. that's fun. I like that. Mm -hmm. So Edward understandably dry heaves a little and he leaves. At which point there's a very like comical three girls wearing masks like rising at the same <laughs> yeah. time they like supervise he goes it's like he, very wes anderson yeah it's yeah it's very symmetrical very wes anderson mm -hmm. and they go like cool he's puking and he found the pilot and now they just all squat back down together mm -hmm. don't know why but it happens so now we're in some room with sister oak and sister beach so sister oak is the first person he speaks to on the island sister beach is the woman behind the bar at the end uh, Sister Oak killed the pilot. Sister Beach is gathering her bear costume. Her bear costume. It's not just some mask like everybody else's. No, this thing is a full body bearskin onesie. It's a taxidermy bear. It's a taxidermy bear that you wear with like a head as a mask. And it's like mouth is wide open and you put your face in it like a Disneyland mascot. Yeah. So when you're running around, it legit looks uncannily like a bear. In pulls the Nick Cage Express. Sister Oak gets the fuck out of there. Edward walks casually and calmly towards Sister Beach. One step at a time. And then he just sucker punches this girl in yeah. the mouth. And she drops to the ground. Instantly. Which I've been thinking about. Because Sister <laughs> I'm Beach. sure you have. Because Sister Beach turns up in like 10 minutes later on. Yes. Along with the girl that he's about to knock out as well. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, both of them, I don't think, were actually knocked unconscious, surely. Like, I'm probably giving this film far too much credit. But like, I, th I bet they were. This is a big fucking right hook to the mouth. Yeah, but in order for the, their whole plan thing to work, like, he has to get there chase like he they want him to like chase the girl and like get her and rescue her and whatever so like i think they had to let him go i guess so yeah like okay so they just like take that shit like a champ and they pretend to be unconscious yeah, for a minute i think so because why not it, all right well <laughs> it's at this point cut to the initiation of the festival it's kicking off the whole colony is there and sister summer's isle makes a speech offering their sacrifice to the goddess of the fields cut back to edward putting on an unconscious sister beach's bear costume when apple lady blindsides him with a full fucking body slam cut back to the festival we got a little parade going on so we're like cutting back and forth between like the festivities we're having a good time mm -hmm. there's a parade there's like a conga line the yeah. band's playing yeah 
uh, big old fight scene going on too. So Edward clambers back up, but again from behind, Apple Lady's got both arms wrapped around his neck now. Uh, he lifts her off the ground in some sort of like non-consensual piggyback and just launches this girl across a table and she falls to the ground. Cut back to the festival. Woo, all right, we're having a good time. Turn it up, <laughs> girls. Here we go. Cut back to the fight scene. Apple Lady's back up. Edward throws her a little karate chop to the throat and then boots her in the fucking face, like kicks this girl in the nose. Mm -hmm. She's sent flying backwards into the wall of photos from the previous Harvest Festivals. She crashes to the ground and the Nick Cage Express is putting on its bear costume and it's off to its final destination, everybody. So covertly, Edward now joins the parade and he finds Willow. The neo-pagan conga lion comes to a halt. And Sister Summer's Isle makes another speech. And behind her, tied tightly to a tree, is Rowan. We see her. We see her. We see her now. It's crazy. So Edward and Willow turn to each other, both terrified. Edward has no choice but to separate from the group. Still disguised (laughs) in the bear costume, he approaches his daughter. One woman asks, what seems to be the problem, sister? Edward replies with a courteous right fucking hook to her jaw. Yep. Colony begins to suspect that shit's not going down as they uh, they planned it, and they uh, come after the bear at this like, point. Like, painfully slowly. And this all makes sense now, because yeah. we've just watched it, but at the time we were watching it, and I was like, they sent four people to chase him. <laughs> four people who then do a really terrible job of finding him when he just hides behind the first tree in the forest, and then they run past. And I was like... That is terrible. That's really bad. But now, obviously, they were supposed to miss him. Yeah. They were supposed to miss him and let him run and let him think he was getting away. But he believed it. He was like, I did it. it. He was like, I did it. I'm great. Look at me, guys. I'm wearing a bear onesie and I'm hiding behind the first tree in the woods. I thought it was weird when like the little girl and him had no moment of like, I've met my daughter. There's nothing. No, we don't get that She doesn't say anything. She doesn't. Yeah. Basically, he unties his daughter. He runs off. Like you said, there's four people at the most. They don't look for him very hard. And Edward and his daughter make a break for it. So father and daughter are going deeper into the woods. Rowan now guiding them towards safety. Edward finally removing the full body bear onesie. Rowan runs faster and faster until the two are safely back at the festival. She runs into her mother's arms, Sister Summer's Isle beside both of them now, smiling from ear to ear. Edward has been betrayed, Mm -hmm. deceived, duped. (laughs) (laughs) Duped. Duped, everybody. Uh, All right, so let's unpack this plot twist kind of point by point and please interject if I missed anything because I wrote this yesterday and we actually like kind of went deeper into like the plot twists. and Today. uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So when Willow met Edward all those years ago, her plan was to conceive a child, return to the island, birth their baby, and then one day sacrifice him to their goddess. Yes. Rowan was never missing. She was never even the intended offering. Willow was never playing on Edward's team. And if that wasn't at all wild enough, Sister Summer's Isle, nah, try Mama Summer's Isle, 
That's Willow's mom. Yeah. And the entire island just M. Night shyamalan your ass, Edward. You're the sacrifice. <laughs> Always were. Tough fucking break. Yeah. But what we also realized today, and I've never picked up on this, and I've seen this movie like over 10 times, like I've said, present at the festival is homegirl and her daughter from the start of the movie at the car crash. Yep. They and, didn't die. Uh, reference to in the credits, female cop. Yeah. She was sus. I told you they were playing the long, long, long game. Like long, they, yeah. Long. Or whoever old the kid is. That's a long game. Like eight years. Yeah. It's a long That's game. That's how long the long game is. <laughs> they should have stopped the film there. That's, this is what I think. They should have stopped the film there. As soon as they revealed that and then carried on the film, I was like, okay, so he gets out of it somehow. Right. But he doesn't. Yeah. So they should have just been like, boom, he's doomed. Yeah. So you would have been totally satisfied uh, that they allude to the Wicker Man. They never show it. I wouldn't have given a fuck. (laughs) I don't care (laughs) about the fact that he dies in a big stick. Like, (laughs) doesn't make any difference. It's not terrifying. It's like, oh, cool. They could have killed him any other way. Yeah. He almost killed himself in two different ways. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it's all just like, there's no reasoning for the rest of the film to happen. Do you think it's because if they didn't burn him in the Wicker Man, they would have been like, what are we going to do with like the $6 million we have lying around to build a big Wicker Man? In that case, cut out the knee breaking and the like, the two extra steps at which you think he might be like saved somehow. Cut out my favorite scene. The bees. Yeah. The bees. <laughs> Everyone's favorite scene. Doesn't make any sense. So Edward understandably does not take this news. Well, he's brandishing a gun as the Nick cage express begins to pick up some speed. The crowd closes in on Edward. He pulls the trigger but nothing. We then see all the bullets fall from Willow's open hand onto the ground. Edward is ambushed. He gets a couple decent blows in before he's tackled and pinned to the ground. He's approached by a man, horse mask on his head, sledgehammer in his hand, and he just wails on Edward's kneecaps, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Is that like one, one woman, woman goes, punches Ooh. the air? But then what's that? They're in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Nope. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. It's the Nick Cage Express. <laughs> so Edward's in absolute agony, both legs broken at the knees when approached from behind by two villagers. One places a large, like, helmet made of chicken wire on his head. Yeah. And the other is just pouring bees into the helmet from above. And... No imitation will ever compare to this film's moment. But Edward is just screaming. Can you say it with no enf- no feeling in your voice whatsoever? <laughs> no. Not the bees. Not the bees. No. Ah, they're in my eyes. My eyes. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it like ASMR. Like, not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> I just hate that he says they're in his eyes because it's like they're not even in his eyes in that moment. (laughs) Right. Yeah, this is it. So they're in his mouth. They're in his eyes. They're not in his eyes. They're not not in his eyes. Uh, And worst of all, these CGI bees 
do not look good in 2020. They did not look any better in 2006. These are some badly fucking CGI'd bees. It's like someone just slapped some bee gifs uh, on top of Nick Cage's face and was like, I sign off on this. That's, you're done. Get paid and go home. Yeah. It looks bad. So we've reached the last paragraph that I have written here and prepared. So Edward passes out from the allergic reaction to the bees. But thank goodness Dr. Moss is here to administer his EpiPen finally. He's brought back to life only to be hoisted up to the top of the wicker man and burnt alive. And who lights the fire? His daughter. Um, yeah, I didn't need any of those scenes you didn't need, So you don't need the scene? No. This is like... Nothing new happens. Nothing new happens. They just present three different ways and they couldn't decide which way to kill him. <laughs> it's like, why did his legs have to be broken? Right. Why did they, why did they put him in the helmet of bees <laughs> at all? That just doesn't do anything. Like it's it not does. even, they don't even say, they don't even say in the earlier in the film that part of the ritual is that he must be stung <laughs> by bees first. Like that I would accept, but they just don't. So I think it's shit. The worst part of this film <laughs> is the end scenes where right. he's about to die slash dies. Yeah. You don't gain anything from it. What more do you gain from this than like the experience of knowing that he's going to die at the end of the film? You gain the dialogue, you gain the delivery, you gain no, not the bees, you gain they're in my eyes, and you certainly gain when he first sees the wicker man, and he goes, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh my God. <laughs> You're telling me that the ending where that's cut is the better cut of this film. Absolutely. Because that's where you and I disagree. In a true sense of what's an actually good film, yes. Um, in a sense of laughing at Nick Cage, then absolutely not. All right. Well, that's where you and I agree. And that's where this film ends. Uh, and yeah, I, I, sh I share your sentiment that this isn't like a cinematic Disaster. monstrosity. And I do wonder how much I, w I wonder if I would have felt like this film was terrible had I gone into it thinking it was going to be a normal film. Like, sure. Because I've gone into this with the expectation that says that it's as bad as deathbed or jaws four or yeah. whatever terrible films we've watched yeah right like and it's just not it's not on the same level it's not in the same way at least no it's not in the same universe as like the room yeah or birdemic shock and terror because those are just Troll failures two. of actual cinema making we've established that this isn't going to be what you consider to be the worst film of yeah. the bunch but would you say you enjoyed it yeah it was fun trying to figure no out. No fucking yeah. way. It was fun trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. But it's a bad film. Like it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, overall, it is a bad film. Right. I, I think the nail in the coffin is that they made, let's not even call it bad. Let's call it a mediocre film out of like a beloved faultless film in people's eyes that I yeah. haven't seen. I know very mediocre. little about it. Like Lady Bird is mediocre in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Obviously not in the rest of the world's eyes. Right, this, this is bad. But like, this shit's bad. This this is bad, yeah. yeah on the scale right. of films, that yeah. all the films that exist, this would be on a bad, this would be a bad film. So that's The Wicker Man. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed it. I just fucking love this movie. It's so good. You got heated. 
you hated that ending. Oh yeah, it's just not necessary. But you enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed it more than Jaws. But did you enjoy The Wicker Man more than you enjoyed our next film, Deathbed, The Bed That Eats? Oh, absolutely not. Deathbed, The Bed That Eats is so enjoyable. (laughs) It's a wild fucking ride. That's for sure. The title says it all. Oh, yeah, it does. And I'm so excited for people that haven't got to watch it yet. Yeah. But with that said, stay the fuck inside and we will see you tomorrow.